Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Welcome, friend, to the show today, and I'm so glad that you are here. And I have a question for you. So what does Albert Einstein, Steven Spielberg, and Pablo Picasso all have in common? Do you know? And do your kids know? Well, they all have dyslexia. And I quote from my special guests today book, The Gift of Being Different. Here's what they say. They all achieved great things because their dyslexia was a gift that allowed them to create and think in new and creative ways. This was their superpower. And my two very special guests today are best-selling author Monica Berg and her daughter Abigail, which she joins us towards the end. And together they have written this book, The Gift of Being Different. And if you have a kid who struggles with learning differences, you know the struggles and challenges they can have and how stressful it can be as a parent. And I know what this is like because I have two kids who struggled with learning differences, and I did too. And the sad thing is it's easy when we have learning differences or our kids do to feel stupid and less than, and we can look around and wonder, why aren't we getting it? What's wrong with me? And things can feel really hard and limiting. And maybe you're here and you know what that feels like, or you have a kid that's struggling, or you've struggled, and we all have different things where we can feel less than, or we can feel like we're not enough. But what if we could raise our kids to see that the traits they might consider flaws or imperfections are their greatest gifts. What if they knew that what makes them different is actually their superpower? For that matter, what if we could take that in too and see ourselves in this light? Well, I can't wait for you to hear this interview with Monica and her daughter, Abigail, where they remind us to see our differences in a different light, one where our differences can be our greatest superpower and guide us towards our unique gifts and the extraordinary potential we all have inside of us. Let's dive in. Hi, Monica. Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. 
I am too. And we're in for a treat because your daughter, Abigail, is going to be joining us towards the end. And you are coming out with a book that you have co-authored together called The Gift of Being Different. And it's also October is Dyslexia Month. And you talk about that in the book uh, and what it's like to be different. So um, share with me to start what inspired you to write this book. So uh, Abigail is my youngest of four children. And uh, for a few years, we could tell she was really struggling with reading and with math, but she was also very intelligent and she was able to grasp concepts beyond her um, in terms of language and speech and just cognitive understanding. So we didn't know that it was going on because it was such an extreme difference and even her teachers were baffled. So by the time we got her diagnosis, I remember thinking about what was the best way to deliver this to her. So finally, we had an answer to what was going on and why she was struggling, but I didn't want her to see it as, and I really don't like the word disability, and that is how it's referenced, which is why, one of the reasons why we wrote this book, we call it a superpower. Um, And she came to me in that same week where I was trying to think about how I wanted to tell her, and it was a very difficult week anyway. My mother-in-law was passing away, and it was kind of like very much towards the end, And she comes to me as I'm getting ready and she's brushing her teeth. And she says, mommy, do I need so much extra help because I'm stupid? And of course, everything stopped. I'm like, there is no way one of my children or any of my children to go through life with that in their minds. Um, Because I think we all struggle in different ways. And I remember having very negative thoughts about myself growing up for different reasons, right? And I worked really hard to, to learn to love myself in this life. And so I wanted to give her that gift early on and I stopped everything and I sat her down and I told her about dyslexia and how, you know, how she's able to see things that nobody else can see. And it's a gift actually, like she'll be able to solve problems that nobody else can because she can see in a way that nobody else can. Mm. And she looked at me like, yeah, you're my mom. You know, of course you kind of have to say that you're biased. And so I asked her, do you believe me? And she's like, kind of. And then I had this book because I was researching how she learned. I really wanted to understand how she saw letters and how she understood things. So I brought this book called The Gift of Dyslexia. And there was a page that talked about all of the attributes that people with dyslexia have. And in the margin, I had written Abigail to a T. So she said, what does that mean? So I said, these are the things about you. I said, does this sound familiar? And she was like getting more and more excited. Yeah, I have that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have that too. And suddenly she felt like she belonged right in that moment. And I also gave her examples of notable people like Albert Einstein and Steven Spielberg. So many great people have done great things that had dyslexia. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm an author. It's my first children's book. I've written two other nonfiction books and working on another one, but this was for me a way to introduce not just the idea of accepting the things that you try to hide about yourself or where shame kind of lies, but also teaching concepts like what potential means or empathy or compassion. And so there's a spiritual note. It's a, it's one in 10 um, book series. It's called on being. And, um, and I think that if kids can really learn to love themselves at this young, young age, we're all going to be better off. Oh, I just love that. That's so beautiful. And like you said, I mean, we all have struggled with 
some form of those negative voices and that she was able to even say that to you, like, I feel stupid, which breaks your heart. Uh, I'm mean, really honest. I was like getting out of the shower. I was in a towel and I'm like, and my husband were late and I'm like, I'm just ignoring everything. I stopped everything. We sat on my bed and we had this heart to heart and, and, and the power of it really, like you said, that she trusted me enough to be able to be vulnerable, right. And, and tell me what she really felt. Then she also told me that she didn't really believe me when I told her it wasn't a bad thing. And then we were able to process it together. And, and the funny thing is, so then once we realized, um, her, her diagnosis, then we wanted to really find a school for her and teach her in a way that she would feel like she was thriving. Because honestly, the other thing that broke my heart is that she was working harder than any child her age. She was going to a school, there was a dual curriculum, and then she would come home and she'd have a tutor for two hours every single day. She'd have to do extra homework on the weekends. And she was, I'm thinking at seven or eight, this is how she's already exhausted. Like that's just not fair to her. And she's still not making any progress. So we found this amazing school called Winward um, that is for children who have dyslexia that are also exceptionally intelligent. And, you know, I feel so fortunate because 20 years ago, 30 years ago, children who had dyslexia felt stupid. They didn't, they didn't understand a way to teach them, right? So she goes to this first week of school and she comes home and she said, mommy, we have to go to the head of school and speak to her. And I said, why? She said, they don't understand what dyslexia is. And she says that on the, in the hallway, they have a board and it says other people, other famous people with your disability. She's like, it's not a disability. They need to understand it's a superpower. And I just thought, wow, you know, it suddenly became this thing that she was so proud of. And in fact, the weeks after we reframed this, she went around to everybody and said, you know, I have a superpower. It's called dyslexia. For her, it wasn't even like she had to make that up. Or she was like, this is cute. Like she really fundamentally sees it that way now. What a gift. I mean, I had, now they call it learning differences and I had learning differences and felt stupid as a kid. And I have two of my kids have learning differences. So I remember them saying, I feel stupid or getting the test back when they went through the testing and just sitting there and crying because not in front of them, but just feeling those feelings of what I felt like when I got a report card back and you're working so hard and to have the gift of like being able to see it as a superpower because our brains are all wired differently. Everybody has a learning difference, by the way. Why are we like this cookie cutter version? That's how we approach life anyway. And it's such a disservice. I'm curious with her school, how have they treated her learning difference differently than the cookie cutter way that we feel like we have to fit into this mold of traditional school? And if we don't, something's wrong with us. I'm so impressed with the school. There's a certain method. um, It's called something Heimer. I can't recall it exactly, but it's a very specific way to teach people who have dyslexia. Um, and they, they have different techniques that they've discovered that help children be able to retain the information, be able to read it. And they do it across the board in every language so much so that Abigail comes home and she is like, do you know, they're doing this in China and that like, she comes home with all this information. So it's not that like anybody there is different. They're, they're, they've, they've just honed in on the way to teach 
this kind of mind. One. And two, the other thing that I found that's really beautiful is that these children, um, because they do see the world differently, they talk about ideas and they create things and they look at things differently. They're not talking about physicality, like items, like, you know, what jacket do you have? Or, you know, they're coming home really talking about and creating different things on the playground together because that's the environment in which they're learning. So it's very, very special. Yeah. I was telling you that my business partner here at Moms of Tweens and Teens, her son has dyslexia and went to a school for dyslexic kids. And I read about Abigail and I'm excited to meet her because I read she's a real leader and he is too. And Mm -hmm. so bright and, you know, all these amazing ideas and, um, and just this passion that he has for life and dreams Mm -hmm. and pardon me. How old is he? He is actually going to be a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, the interesting thing is, and I think this is such a a lesson and it's a bigger idea, which is what I love about this book. Also, I think it it lends itself to so many ways of us getting our heads around where we're limited. It's not that children or people with dyslexia were ever less than. It's that we didn't understand, right, educators, how to teach a mind that just learns differently. It's not that it's worse or better. It's just different. And I think that if we can create a world where we see differences as beautiful, beautiful imprints, like we life would be so boring if everybody was the same and everything was the same. Yet as a society, we're so afraid of things that are different. We're so afraid of um, being standing out or being ostracized or, you know, let's be like everybody else. Let's fit in. And I think that that's really what needs to be changing, not anything else. Yeah. Kids that have learning differences. I know that I felt this way. You do feel different and that's hard as a mom or a caregiver, as a parent to watch that where maybe they don't feel like they fit in or they lack the confidence because they've seen themselves different or not getting it. What do you, what words of wisdom do you have for our listeners that have a kid that is struggling with a learning difference? How do you even go about that converse, having that conversation? Well, here's the thing. Okay. There's, there's many steps to this answer. One, the parent needs to be okay with it first. I think very often parents aren't able to help their children reframe it because they have feelings around it. Like, oh my God, will my child be successful? Will they be bullied? Will they be, and what? And usually it's where we left off in our childhood, right? The issues that we had, did we feel insecure? Were we, did we belong? So a lot of that is then transferred to what we want our child's experience to be. So I think that's the first thing that we kind of need to, um, reframe for ourselves. I never do that with my children. I stop and say, okay, how, what tools do I want to give them so that they'll be able to navigate for themselves as leaders when they get older? It's not about me reacting to what happened on this day, right? It's let's talk about this in a bigger context so that they're going to develop tools and confidence to to understand, first of all, that this is life, right? You will always find people that don't like you and that's okay. Sometimes you're going to be in an environment where you don't fit in and that's also okay. The more important thing is that you get to choose your environment. You know, sometimes even, especially before Abigail 
understood that she had a learning difference, she would come up and say, you know, I, I, I don't really want to play what the other kids are playing, or I feel left out. And I said, but you feel left out, but do you really want to do what they're doing? And her answer was no, you know, I don't really like that kind of game. I said, you know, Abigail, you just haven't found your person yet in life. And that is okay. Also, it takes a lifetime to find your people. And by the way, if we're lucky, we're going to have three or four amazing friends in a lifetime. That's the truth. The ones that, you know, are ride or die. So I have these conversations with her now. So she understands that again, yes, if she feels different and if she's not really wanting to play the games that the children are playing and she's not really wanting, and she notices that she does, it's just because she is destined for something greater and she hasn't recognized yet and she hasn't found her people yet. So I think if we're not afraid to talk about anything and we're also not afraid of what we're seeing right now, like taking that as that's everything, whatever you're seeing right now, we see get so reactive to it. Oh, that child didn't like you. Oh, you didn't get invited to that birthday party. We think it's like the end of the world. We're really, let's pause and say, do you really like that person who's having the party? Why do you want to be invited? You know, like, don't be afraid to go and unpack it and explore it so that they start to become very emotionally intelligent. And then they don't, they're able, I mean, I think the most important tool, not just for children, not just for mothers, for all of us, is to be able to, when things happen to us, to stop and choose your reaction to it and choose what you want to derive from it. You empower yourself to make the life that you want. So often we're just reacting to every single thing that happened to us, especially the things that we didn't want. You said so many good things in there. So I just want to pause. So I First of all, I love your how you're empowering her. And I think it's so easy for all of us, but especially when you start young and we're looking outside of ourselves for that approval and for others to define who we are. And you are giving her this gift of thinking, shifting that focus to what do you want, Abigail? What do you, you know, do you want to go to that, that birthday party? Is that, how do you, is this somebody you want to have as a friend? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't diminish the, the feelings our kids have. We can validate that and then say, well, how do you, you know, do you want to go? And for them to think about like, what do I want for my own life versus allowing other people to define it mm-hmm. for us. And you're teaching her that skill from such a young age that's going to empower her. And yeah. Yeah. and especially, you know, even sometimes she'll say like, if she comes home, so-and-so wasn't kind to me. And so I'll ask a question, well, is this how she behaves most days? Is she just like that to you? Does she seem like a happy child? Do you ever see her sad? What are the, and so I want her, and honestly, I think all parents can do this. I want her to learn to train herself, to give herself emotional feedback. I learned to do that for myself. And so then you can't go through life being hurt by everything or taking things personally chances are that person isn't happy for their own reason. And maybe they're taking it out on you, but you don't have to accept it as a truth or a flaw of yours, right? So it's kind of creating space between the things that happen to us in this life, especially the things that might be a bit traumatic or hurtful. And yes, while it's painful and let's acknowledge the feelings a child may have around things, let's also look at it for what it is or what it could be. You know, teaching ideas like benefit of the doubt. Again, these are concepts that I'm putting in the series because- 
you know, I just, again, I don't think it's taught enough in school and I wish that I had taken this class um, <laughs> or it took decades to really empower myself and, and live in that way. Those are such good questions. Everybody's going to have to like rewind you know, yeah, the little arrows and write those down because those are so good. And we transcribe this. So we put it on our blog, but really good questions. And you're, you're being curious. It's like, you're holding it a little differently and training them to think of things a little bit differently. And, and huh, wonder if, is this something that how, you know, are they sad? You know, you're just asking really good questions and getting her to think outside the box. Like this isn't just about me. Yeah. And I want to pause on how you talked about long-term because I think as moms, it's really easy to get in that, you know, that spin cycle of taking what's happening in the moment and then going into the future and doing that fortune telling that, oh my goodness, they're struggling. They're never going to have friends. They're never going to be confident. You know, we can just then end up catastrophizing, which so often that, you know, I have older kids now and I can encourage uh, parents to say, no, 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 <laughs> you know, that all of those things, so many things I worried about never even happened. How and, old is your oldest? Yeah. How old are you? Well, my oldest is 32. Wow. And, and girl, and my youngest is just turned 23 and graduated from college. So I have that, that long-term perspective that all these things I worried about and lost so much sleep about and, it, it just, I think about what a waste of time that was. Well, it's interesting. My oldest is 23. My youngest is nine, right? So I have a big range um, and a thousand percent. <laughs> like the things, I always say this too, by the way, the things that we worry about are the ones that never really happen. It's the things that we never actually considered that really kind of get us when they happen. Like I didn't anticipate that. I didn't expect that, right? And I think that it's, I, first of all, I wrote a book called Fear is Not an Option. So I don't believe living in fear anyway. And I think there's, you know, you need to challenge yourself to be able to learn to utilize that energy of fear and make it into something very powerful, actually. But we're not going to go into that. But my point is, is that I think when we look at our children, often there is a lot of fear around that. Who will they become? What's going to be? I don't believe in fortune telling only, however, look in the future when you ask yourself this question. My child is struggling in this moment. And if I make them worried about, oh my God, what do other people think? Or why did you do that? You know, the neighbor saw you or what, what is the voice you're putting in their head, right? Instead, the question you have to ask yourself in parenting is what feedback, what wisdom, what tools, what information do I want to give my child so that they can be this kind of person in 10 years from now or 20 years from now. So you want to have a vision for them that's aligned with their innate talents, right? You don't want to be like, I want this child to be a doctor because we're all doctors in our family. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, look at your child for who they are. And really for me, right? I've, I mean, of course we all have desires of what we want our children to be, but my husband and I always look at who our child or children are what their talents seem to be, more importantly, what their desires are. And we help them kind of unpack that to help them find their potential. But we always say that there's many things in life that you can be, but there's only one thing you must be, and that is kind. So if that is, for instance, like that's our 
mantra, right, as as parents for our children. So that kind of guides us and gives us a gauge, right, of how to navigate when things come up. That's beautiful. Yeah. If we let that fear rule, then we're missing out on all the good stuff that we can see in our kids and being helping them to see what their dreams, gifts, talents are. Getting and that's great yeah. to yes. discover them, right? If you're fear-based, yes. they're going to be fear-based. And then everybody plays it safe. And often we end up living somebody else's version of a life, you know, not yeah. the one we wanted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's such powerful stuff. That fear in the driver's seat causes us to have so much more re- reactivity versus when you're talking about like you, you were, you came alongside Abigail and were able to support her and be curious and help her be curious and help her think about what she wants. So it's a very different energy. It's not that fear based. It's more of a curiosity and an unfolding of who she's, who she was created to be. Exactly. And the only way to do that is if you don't make it about yourself. I never made her diagnosis about me. And I actually, my only feelings, my only thoughts, there was never worry or fear. My only thoughts were how can I support this beautiful soul to be able to reveal what's inside of her that I see, but that, you know, if she can't, if she can't reframe this for herself, she might play it small her whole life, or she might think she's stupid her whole life. And what a waste that would be, right? That was my only thought, honestly. And, um, and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's such powerful stuff. Um, so what would you say to family members who are having a hard time understanding? I, I know I was talking to, um, she said I could use her, her name, Jen, who's, who works with me. And she was saying one of the things that was really difficult was for when her son would write like a thank you card. And they couldn't read his writing and they didn't get it. Like, why can't he write us a card where his wife is writing so messy? You know, I mean, it sounds like such a, a little thing, but they were, you know, and it's sad, right? But she said that it was very hard for them to get it and to understand. So what would you say to that well, parent? Did they, did they not know he had a learning difference or... Did they not? I don't think they fully understood what dyslexia was. And, you know, now they've become educated, but they didn't understand it. And she grew up in a family that they're, they're all uh, doctors and lawyers and, and all of that is very important. And so here's a kid that has a learning difference and she was dealing with the family's reactivity towards it. Well, that's interesting. I think, first of all, um, I don't know if Jen had feelings about it. Like, did it bother her that she felt maybe misunderstood or judged or whatever the feelings that came up? That's one thing, because if it didn't bother her, then there's many ways to handle it. Again, I will always say in terms of parenting, you really need to be you need to get okay with whatever's happening before you can help your child get okay with it, become okay with it. Um, So, for instance, right, because this is how. For me, there would be, I don't believe in shame. I don't believe in guilt. I really create a space that's non-judgmental because I used to judge myself so severely when I was a teenager that I learned, I had to learn to find another way because it was just so overwhelming. Um, So 
I was so proud of Abigail. I thought it was so the way I saw when she would write like that. And then it was completely um, illegible really at first. And then you'd kind of like sound it out and like, Oh, that's what she, I was fascinated by it. Actually. I was like, I really, cause I'm a very curious person. So I was like, wow, <laughs> how does her brain work? And that's why I got that book where the letters are three-dimensional. They float, they rotate, they go upside down. That's why they write it like that. It's not, the, it's not the way we see it. These letters are changing shape and there's all kinds of things. It was like fascinating when I understood it, but I was so proud of her actually that um, I had a sweater made. Uh, it's this woman who she, um, with yarn, she writes different sayings on sweaters. Uh, so anyway, Abigail wrote me this beautiful love letter and I had them stitch it in her own writing with all the spelling mistakes. And because I'm actually, I think that's the beauty. I love that it's different. I love that about her. So if anybody even would say anything to me and my family or otherwise, I'd be like, what is so hard to understand? We are, I would have the same conversation we're having today. We are all different. We're meant to be different. And by the way, what I think is funny, this family of doctors and lawyers, it's genetics. So somebody has dyslexia somewhere. In that, you know? um, but I, I think, again, I think it's, we have to be okay with it. And then when you're okay with it, I think it's really easy to explain it. And whether people get it or not is not really your problem at all. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise that can really tank you too. If you feel overly responsible for everybody, you know, everybody else's reaction. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that just adds another layer to it. So here, I'm going to quote you. What if every child knew that the traits they might consider flaws or imperfections are their greatest gifts? What if they knew that what makes them different is actually their superpower for that matter? What if every adult knew it too? So how have you seen it to be a superpower? How do you bridge that? We'll have Abigail come in too and talk about it. But how do you bridge that gap to something that's hard to see it as a superpower? Well, here's I mean, the thing. It sounds not- like Abigail, she she was able to take that in pretty quickly. Well, here's the thing. She had been struggling for two years, right? So when I said to her, we found a school that's going to teach you in a way that you can learn and you won't struggle anymore. So that was one. And that's true, right? So with any problem, there is a solution. I fundamentally believe that. So that's step one. Once we found that for her, right? So that was the um, intellectual part, right? That was the learning aspect. And then what about the emotional part? So this is the other thing with children, do your research, right? With children with dyslexia, and adults, they really do see things that we don't see. Like they, they notice details. They look to see like, okay, what's that? But what, why did that happen? They go five steps after because they have to work harder to learn. Their brains are are able to see things and solve problems in ways that we really cannot. It doesn't come as easily to us. Also, she's highly empathetic. She is able to feel people in a way instantly that others are not. And so I think that if, again, so one, remove the fear two, find the solution three, really do your research, learn about it. So, you know, all the beauty that's in it and, and help that child understand it. Then they've understood their difference. It's not that, Oh, you're different and we're not how great they, they have like a map to how they're different. I think it's our responsibility, every single one of us, whether you have an official diagnosis or not, 
to discover how you're different. Every single person in this entire world is different in so many ways. And I remember years ago when I had that aha moment, I managed to think everybody was normal, just like me for to some degree, right? To the most part. And then I realized that, no, that person, like, and you know, when you know somebody for 20 years and then you're like, oh, I never knew that about them. They're really, really quirky or there's this and that, right? No judgment, but you start to see that this idea of perfect doesn't exist. And the sooner that you're able to see how you're different and really grow those aspects of you, they really do become your superpower. There's no other way to say it. And the funny thing is now Abigail went to our whole family. What's your superpower? What's your superpower? And (laughs) I'm like, mine's not as interesting as yours. I'm left-handed. My feet are weird. I mean, I don't know. Like it's, but that's, that's the, so you start to look around understanding that. And then your experience of life is different. That is so cool. What if we went around thinking about what each other's superpower was rather than trying to fit into this specific mold and then judging ourselves if we don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And life just becomes this amazing adventure to see how how we're all so different that not one single person is the same. That's the reality. I think, again, too many people are pretending, you know, otherwise, and, um, and they're afraid, they're afraid to see. Yeah. Would you want to call Abigail in? Because I want to hear, I didn't even realize that this is going to be a series. So I'm excited to, to hear, to hear about that and where you're going to go with this series. Yeah. The next book, they're all written. Um, The next one's going to the illustrator next week. I want to just keep doing them. Yeah. I've always said my children are my muses. I'm so inspired by them. And I, I really see my role as a parent uh, is just to help them navigate their journey. And um, so I'm kind of the, I'm the passenger. Sometimes I'm the tour guide, Um, but it's, I really try to see them for who they are and let life, let, uh, you know, the creator help show me. Hi, Abigail. It's so nice to meet you. You are so brave and courageous to come on here. I just have to say. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, I get nervous before I come on these and just for you to be here and have written this book and the impact that you're having writing this book. So I want to hear from you, like what was writing this book like for you? It was super fun and it was very interesting. And I really like, I enjoyed writing the book of my mom. But how does it feel to have dyslexia? It's like, I feel different, but in a good way. Because like, it's like having dyslexia is like, have like being like a superhero. And like, I feel like I have a superpower. Yeah. I feel yeah. when you first had, when you first found out about your learning difference. Because I was a little confused because I didn't really understand it at first. But now I understand it and I, and I like, I love it. You love it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what do you love about it now? Like, like I'm special and I can learn like differently about it. Like, I'm glad that this book can like help other people like understand that it's a great thing that it's special that they have it. I think everybody has like their own special thing and it doesn't have to be a learning difference. It's just their own special thing. Mm -hmm. Especially, do they always think it's special? Or... No, it can just be like anything. Like that's different. Yeah, and they might not notice it for like five years or something. Yeah, yeah. 
I love that. So when you think about your superpowers now, and I, your mom said that you will also ask people, you're curious to know people and what their superpowers are. She was saying that you'll, you'll get excited and say, what's your, what do you think your superpower is? Which I love. I just love thinking of it uh, that way. When you think about your superpowers now, can you think of one or two that you see as superpowers now? To like, um, like if people like have other differences, like some people like they like look different or something like that. Like I understand that they have like special superpower, and I like like immediately like know that. And I, I think what you're saying, tell me if I'm wrong, is that you are able to recognize in other people who are different. Uh, you notice it right away. And if they're especially not comfortable with it, then you go out of your way to be friendly and to say hello and try to make them feel better. Yeah, we all need that. We need more friends like that, especially at your age that are looking, you know, that have that that empathy and want to truly know, truly know you and can also understand if they're struggling. An interesting point, actually, because somebody... Uh, came to me recently knowing that we've written this book and she said that um, she has three kids and I think all of them have learning differences and she hasn't told them. And does she think that that's the right thing? And I said, well, why, you know, first of all, why haven't you told them if, if they're struggling and they're having a hard time and you're not framing it for them and they don't know what it is, that's going to wear them down eventually their self-esteem will be very low because they don't understand what the struggle is and why they need support and by you not telling them it's almost like they should be embarrassed by it so Mm -hmm. I really think that if a child is right like when Abigail asked me the question do I need all of this help because I'm stupid she recognized that there was something different she wasn't feeling good about herself and I was going to tell her anyway but I don't think I don't, I don't think keeping something about your child that's about themselves that they're going to have to come to terms with at some point is really fair to them. So Abigail's seen that too recently now that we've written the book and we start talking about it. Um, she has a, a best friend actually in London and um, she just, she didn't understand what dyslexia was. This is just a week ago, really. And, uh, and then she thought it was a bad thing and uh, one of her brothers had it anyway. Uh, so he gifted her the book and then her mother turns to her and says, you know, you have dyslexia also. And this child was like, why didn't you tell me? She was very angry at her mother for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to reframe what it is because of this book. But I, I think that's what you were sharing. Abigail, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of wisdom that we can learn so much from you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm thinking did when you got, when you, um, when your mom told you and then you fully understood it and saw it as a superpower, like, were you like, Oh, that makes so much sense now. Did you feel like you made sense? Like, well, I think I understand it like a lot more than I did like a year ago. Um, but it kind of made a little more sense. Like why? Yeah. So when you think, when you wrote the book um, and you're going to write more, and the illustrations, by the way, are beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's just be- a beautiful book. Thank you. We're really proud of it. She did it. She's an amazing illustrator. 
Yeah. And, and when you, um, you couldn't even, you weren't even writing, right? Abigail, if I understand correctly, were you telling your mom like what to say about how did that happen between the two of you where you were writing it? Was it a back and forth? We have, we talk a lot. This is a little Gemini chatty, chatty one. Um, (laughs) We have a lot of conversations and we talk about feelings and we're very much um, connected like every day, you know, how is the day? What At great detail. And especially the big things. I mean, this book really was written in an hour because it was really based around that conversation we had when she asked me the question. And then the pieces just came together, right? Um, and then the editing part's fun. Like, do you think we should do it this way? Or maybe we should do that? Or how about this? And so the stories are there. I mean, the next book um, also, it's based on something that did happen. And then we add fun parts to it. So I think that's what makes these feel very authentic and real because they're real stories. Um, And then the fun part is kind of filling in the blanks. What are you, yeah, what are you hoping that the reader will take away from the books, the mom and the kids that are reading it? Because both will be reading it. Yes, so many things. Um, I think that, I think the message is the same to be able to, for a parent to see yourself, to be able to see your child, to not be afraid of what you see and really whatever it is, you know, there's always a way to understand it. There's a way to reframe it. There's a way to empower yourself so that every single thing that comes up in our lives, especially the unexpected things can be reached and, and embraced to know that it's the best parts of ourselves. Our flaws are actually our greatest assets. They are our superpower. And when you start to look at yourself like that, many things happen. You start to feel good in your skin. You feel comfortable. You start to be more brave and open and courageous. And, um, and you start to feel happier and you can make other people happy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And reframe it like you're doing, Abigail, for for other kids that you know that ha- are on a similar journey to be able to see their superpowers too. I was thinking, I'm learning a lot from both of you as we're doing this. I was thinking about when one of my kids, I was, I was afraid to have her tested. And she's brilliant, creative, and she's an artist. And oh my goodness, she has so, and she has lots of empathy and just so many gifts. But I was afraid that it would make her not feel good about herself, even though I knew differently, you know. But you are reframing that finding it out just is a gift in and of itself when you can reframe it to seeing how you're different. And that is not a, that's not a negative. That's a beautiful thing. And it's a superpower. And I love that shift for our listeners to think of it that way. Well, your daughter was probably feeling different anyway, right? And that you not addressing it, you're not giving a voice to her concerns or her feelings. And then basically what the child learns in that moment is, oh, I should ignore what I feel because Mm -hmm. everybody else is, right? I mean, just, so I think, again, when we talked earlier about the glass ball and fast forwarding to the future, those are the kinds of things you want to think about. If I continue to address this in this way, what will she feel or how will she be or he in 10 years from now, right? So um, I I think it's a really important, I'm so happy we're having this conversation because I just don't think 
I think many of us in life, it's not just when it comes to parenting, but we avoid the places that scare us. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So Abigail, what do you want kids to take away from it that are going to read it? Like I want, I want them, even if they don't have like, like if they don't have like dyslexia, but um, even if they don't, I want them to like understand that if they see something like looks different or acts different, then they don't take away that like this person is scary and I shouldn't like be near them. They should be like, oh, I should go over to that person and say hello. So good. And I would think it's going to speak to so many kids because we can all end up feeling different and feel like we have to hide those things that are different rather than seeing them as, as beauty and something beautiful about us. So, and then also seeing, I love how you said the part about if a kid, you know, you see them as different, reframing that too, to go over and, and want to get to know them. Yeah. Thank you, Abigail. You have a huge heart and you have such wisdom. And I cannot wait for this book to get out and that I can promote it and let everybody know about it. And yeah, and and parents too, and caregivers to be able to navigate this because it's going to be very, uh, it's very needed for us as parents too, to reframe things and even see ourselves as different, you know, as being a beautiful thing. Yeah. So thank you. So tell our listeners it's coming out next month. And so we're going to have this podcast air before your book comes out. So everybody can, can get it. Um, you can also pre-order it. So tell everybody where to find, to find it. Yes. You can pre-order it on Amazon. It's coming out, uh, October 16th and, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really great book. It's a great gift. And it, again, it doesn't matter if it's dyslexia, it doesn't, we are all different. And um, it's a very, I think, empowering book for everyone. Do you have any uh, final uh, words of encouragement that you have to share, Monica? I think that when it comes to parenting, um, you know, we should be messy in it that we're not meant to be perfect. It's impossible to be a perfect parent. I think the child just needs to be, it's like what we all need, right? We want to be heard. We want to be seen. We want to be loved. And uh, and all of that should be offered with kindness. And everything else, you know, we'll figure out. But only if you have a desire to figure it out and you're not afraid to see whatever it is. And life is messy and parenting is messy, right? And we can be messy. We can be emotionally messy. We have lots of feelings. And the more we can just even lean into that and embrace that, I think we fight so much against that rather than seeing it as a beautiful thing that we're just in relationship with each other. And yeah, so I love that. Embracing the mess. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. Um, you also have a podcast and where can they find you, Monica? Yes. Um, my husband and I have a podcast called spiritually hungry and it's wherever you get your podcasts. It's super fun. Um, talk about everything, (laughs) everything under the sun. And, uh, I have a blog called rethink life dot today. And I have two other books, uh, for adults. One is called fear is not an option. And the other is called rethink love. 
And you can follow me at Monica Berg 74. Those are both such great titles of books. I have to check them out. Yeah, <laughs> Talked a lot about fear. So yeah, really good. Well, thank you. I can't wait to see where this leads both of you. Mm. I see. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you, Abigail. It made it very special for you to come on. You're very brave and courageous and wise. Thank you so much for being here. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And I want you to know that the gift of being different is available now. At the time of this recording, it was not, but it is available now. So you can go to the podcast page and scroll down and I have all the information there to buy the book, or you could go to Amazon or the website that they shared and get their book. It is beautiful. It's beautifully illustrated. And the message is a beautiful message that all of us need to hear. So have a great day and I will see you back here next week.